Long years ago, we made a tryst with destiny. And now the time comes when we shall redeem our pledge, not wholly or in full measure, but very substantially. At the stroke of the midnight hour, when the world sleeps, India will awake to life and freedom. Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru was the first Prime Minister of independent India. He made his famous Tryst with Destiny speech on the eve of India's independence, towards midnight on the 14th of August, 1947. It was considered to be a landmark oration, capturing the essence of the triumphant culmination of the largely non-violent Indian independence struggle against the British Empire in India. But what it didn't capture was the violence and pain that thousands of South Asians bore as they were forcefully ejected from their homes, all thanks to the partition of the subcontinent into independent India and a new nation called Pakistan. Last week on Asian Threads, we listened to some of the transformational stories from this time. Today, we'll continue our focus on the partition of India and Pakistan and the pain it caused to thousands in 1947. Asian Threads. Spinning the tales of Asian communities and cultures, their personal accounts, their history, and their literature. This program is sponsored by the Wing Foundation. Radhika Kishan Chenani was born in 1925 in Hyderabad, Sindh. At a young age, she went to live in Ahmedabad with her maternal uncle who didn't have any children of his own. He was active in the Indian National Congress and had close ties to Mahatma Gandhi. Radhika was just four or five years old when she met him. I used to call him Bapu. It was nice because I could always have a hold on everybody. Don't say anything, Bapu is my dad. I can go and tell him Bapu. And you know, Bapuji was known figure. Mahatma Gandhi. At that time, they were thinking of partitioning Sindh from Punjab. So, when I saw nobody around, I went and said, Bapu, Tamari put Gujarat api do na? Sindhre ke paachar padecho. You know, that means, why are you after Sindh? He came to Sindh to pacify people that you allow Sindh to be separated from Punjab. And they were considering it. That is why I told him that. Every day without fail, we used to visit him. He used to live in Gandhi Ashram. It is still there in Ahmedabad. In the evening, still that tree is there where Gandhi used to live, and we all, they all, my uncle, auntie, Salaven, everybody used to gather, we used to sit, and they used to talk about that. This was before partition. Gandhiji was, a, he, he was very mild person, very mild, real saint, I would say. As partition drew near, 
Mahatma Gandhi embarked on his famous civil disobedience movement to protest against the British rule. Early morning we used to get up, say about six o'clock, collect all the children every day. Britishers go bagao, Britishers go bagao, quit India, quit India. He used to take that procession from all these near about places. And they'd return by 8.30 or so, and they'd get ready and go to school. I was once jailed also, taken to jail. Then they put me, we were about 10 girls, boys and girls. We were put in a van, we were taken quite far off. Rani Bhav, they used to call it that place. There was that Rani Bhav. They took us there, it was evening, seven o'clock, and they said, get down from the bus. No, start walking to your house. So we had to walk three, four miles. Just imagine walking three, four miles for a child of 10, 12 years. It's very difficult, but had to do it, had to reach. Finally at night, reached and said, oh no, today. Today I have had bigger, bigger punishment. <laughs> okay, no more these processions again. <laughs> but after a week or so, again I said, no, we have to throw them out. We have to throw Britishers out. <laughs> okay, start it again. <laughs> Drawing closer towards Independence Day, riots broke out in various parts of Punjab and Bengal, both of which were to be partitioned. Ajit Kaur recalls how she and her family were uprooted from their home in Lahore overnight. The whole night the flames would be coming up and everybody would be guessing the Lagda Shalmi is burning, now it is Patidar was a burning. And it was telling on the health of the whole family. So we thought we should better move out. It was a matter of 15-20 days of, you know, Pagalpan. And uh, let us go to Simla. The trauma was unbelievable. Many were in denial, thinking that they were leaving for just a temporary period until the dust settled. And my grandparents were there in the house. Because usually old people were not here till then. He said, I'm very happy here. So we look after the house, you go. So we went there and we could never come back. A new country called Pakistan was carved out of the former India by partitioning Punjab and Bengal, right down the middle. Both of them were homes to a large number of Muslims. The Hindus and the Sikhs in the new Pakistan were forced to board trains bound for India, and Muslims in the Indian Punjab and Bengal were forced to leave for the new Pakistan. August 14th marked the eve of independent India and partition. That night, Ajit recalls how her father was glued to the radio, desperate for communication about Punjab, partition and the plight of his parents. We got up hearing my father sobbing and we saw our father's beard had gone half grey. He couldn't bear the shock because all the were house was there, our properties were there, our lands were there. This morning he said he was leaving 
to rescue his parents. My father travelled for 13 days on foot on deserted uh, uh, bullock cars. He drove the bullock cars himself. Yes, from Simla to Amritsar. Then somehow he crossed the border and he found his parents from a refugee camp. Then he rang up his friend, <coughs> uh, Dr. Muhammad Yusuf, and he said, just go to my house, can I go there? See if I can go there. He said, no, 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 no. The people who have occupied it, they roam around with the daggers all the time because it is a huge house and they are afraid that more refugees will walk in. It is very difficult to uproot a built-up life. All the lands they were tilling, they were tilling since generations. The houses that they were living in, they were living in since generations. I mean, that was very traumatic for people to leave their lands and homes. Even though before partition, interfaith relations between the Hindus, Sikhs and the Muslims were very strong, Abdul Jabbar recalls how things changed overnight. I was really shocked when I saw the change in my friends. For the first time in the eyes I could see uh, they didn't like me. The last day when I was with them, I remember picking up rocks and stuff to beat me up with. I always wonder if you can pick up that kind of uh, dislike so quickly because it is very hard to imagine that. Uh, it is almost imposed on them. Everybody was told that you cannot take anything. We are going to the house of so-and-so for a few days and then we will go to Pakistan on a train. And uh, I had this pet rooster. I will share my best food with that rooster. It became like a pet. would come to me whenever I came to the house. So I just grabbed uh, that rooster. I said, I want to take it with me. So I wouldn't let it go. So somebody, I think, who was trying to speed up the transition because the attack was imminent, just uh, yanked it from my grip and there was a bunch of feathers of that uh, rooster that came, stayed in my hand. It stayed with me for a long time, for many years. I just uh, wouldn't uh, let it go. I'll just use it as a bookmark. You know. It was a part of me that was uh, clinging on to that past, which is beyond uh, retrieval. Muhammad Rafiq Chaudhry says that for most people, there was no choice but to leave. I, th I felt that nobody is going to stay. Muslims are not going to stay in Punjab. Mm. And Hindus and Sikhs are not going to stay. They have to all move. They couldn't stay in the city and uh, people, armed people, they will come and they will, uh, all the Muslims then they started running mm -hmm. and there was already in the wind that uh, everybody has to leave. So we went into, it used to call camp. Mm -hmm. My father being a railway man, he thought he can, he knows the railway, he can bring us to Pakistan by railroad. Mm -hmm. And he put us into a, in Ludhiana, into rail. When we reached floor, then the, we got a, because there used to be a station master came running and he said the train which was coming from Loya has been killed mm -hmm. driver and everybody because they were the, 
lot of Muslims and driver were Muslims. And uh, this train cannot go further. So my father decided that all of us should get down into this town named Flor. So we stayed in Flor for about 10 days or 8 or 10 days. And then rumor came that if we do not get out of the floor, everybody will floor, everybody will be killed. And we all floor people and all the villages from around the area, Muslim villages, we assembled. And there were horrible stories they were telling everybody. Suddenly they said, oh, tomorrow there will be buses coming from Pakistan to pick up people in, in floor. And uh, those buses, they were beautiful. I never saw buses like that ever before. They said, oh, it is from Lahore. So I pushed everybody into the buses. Ultimately, we reached Lahore. And uh, there was a, they said, oh, those who are railway employee, the railway has got a camp. But then in the evening, when we reached the railway camp, we heard a that a train came, everybody was in it killed. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were cleaning the train. That night is the most horrible night of my life. Mm -hmm. There was a train on the another platform, because Lahore railway station has got many, many, which was full of Hindu and Sikh refugees coming from Pakistan towards India. Mm -hmm. Whole night, I heard cries and I heard people shooting on them into the train. Mm. I don't know and whole night I couldn't sleep and uh, on the rail, railway station. And in the daytime I saw about 20 or 36 on trolleys dead. Mm -hmm. I can never forget that scene that uh, a little boy and one woman holding his hand and following that trolley of the dead people. said the Hindus had planned and started the killing. The Hindus said that the Muslims were to blame. The fact is though that both sides killed, both shot and stabbed and speared and clubbed, both tortured and both raped. Ravi Chopra, who was just eight years old at the time, could never imagine that such a holocaust would happen. He recalls the atrocities on his train journey to India. We had to catch the mail train to take us to India. Then while we going What we see is heartbreaking. You can see young girls jumping into the well to save the honor because people were just catch the young girls and rape them and the houses are on fire, people are running, killing each other. Even on the railway track, you see dead bodies, hands cut, legs cut. And when the train came, the, there was a firing. Who fired? I don't remember, but there was a lot of bullets flying around. And one of the bullets 
hit me on the my on my left it's still there's a mark but luckily it scraped through it didn't uh, damage my bone there's no uh, first aid kit or bandage or, or, or to sterilize it so my grandmother was in tears she didn't know what to do she tore off only dhoti she was wearing and know how to sterilize it in her own urine she soaked it and cleaned it and put a bandage but again when bad luck comes some good luck also follows and the good luck was that there was a muslim family who were to travel at the border town of india and he had a reservation and he was in railways he had lot of influence maybe he was good at heart maybe the money did the trick whatever it is he accepted we got a place in his compartment the whole, whole lot of us the whole train was fully packed and and uh, every station there was a uh, killing even people would come to our compart- compartment also okay, is is there anybody is there is he, that the muslim gentleman he had his all credentials with him he said it's my family traveling you and so i have to go up to kasur so please let me go there's nobody else because we would hide ourselves under the seat in the bathroom and then only his muslim family would be visible and then when we saw the other compartments there was nobody survived the whole train things were equally bad on the eastern trains transporting the bengali people between india and the new east pakistan sai ahmed says that in india however things were still relatively better off than in the new east pakistan where they were in a complete state of disarray kolkata towards delhi kolkata towards bombay kolkata towards different destinations but people are innocent people are murdered cops are left over in the boggy uh, dense with blood so people coming to report uh, inform us this harrowing tales day to day in our village and the railway station was not very far from our home village uh, hardly one and a half kilometers away for dozens of continuous gandhi ji is rated a sole person who has starved for the longest days in life for what for stopping the carnage and butchery in bengal he has starved and that incident i is also afresh in my mind i am tell you every you see everything <coughs> was in disordered state of east pakistan because of the division india was on a found sound footing that everything britishers had built here but in pakistan east pakistan if you, i have seen with my own eyes that the law of wooden locks are being uh, placed on the railway engines for um, producing the flames there was no fuel at all for uh, uh, taking the trains but some families very few of them decided to stick it out hiralal bhattacharjee's father refused to leave dhaka for an india that he knew nothing about hiralal says that as a hindu he never faced any social discrimination from anyone in the new east pakistan which subsequently became bangladesh any where i have not been faced any difficulty i have not faced any difficulty only as a hindu 
I have been humiliated, I have been um, told some nuisance word, etc. Everywhere they have accepted me very gracefully. I have, for personally, I have got nothing against anybody. Another thing I am telling you, that time, since I am a Hindu, I used to wear dhoti and Punjabi. And that is Bengali, Bengal dress. Everybody knows that I am a Hindu. Every all students, other students, they used to wear pen, pajama, etc. But I used to wear my dress only. In college, in university, everywhere. But nowhere I have faced any source of discrimination. The day progressed, situation is much, much become brighter. Even during a communal riot in Dhaka in 1964, Hiralal says that Muslim boys sacrificed their lives to fight for the cause of their Hindu brothers. In the year 1964, there was a riot in Dhaka. This riot, it is meaning in India also, this riot, it, is, it, it, it was there. The hair of Hazrat Muhammad, it is, it is in Hazrat Balkasmin, it has been stolen. From that time, it, has, it was a communal riot is here and there. It has been spread in. Bangladesh also, <clears throat> Bengali, Bangladesh, East Pakistan. I was that time in Dhaka. Simply, I will tell you that afterwards, 64 Muslim boys, they have been laid their lives to save the life of Hindus. In nowhere, any parts of the world, such thing has happened. There was a riot, communal riot not only in India or Pakistan, others places are also is there. Previously, 500 years, 1000 years back also, but the particular religion, Muslim, Muslim boys, they have laid their lives to save the life of the Hindus. The only instances in Bengal. That is now, that time it was known in East Pakistan. And not only this, not only this, Dhaka University, residential university, only one in one hall, it was Hindu students was there. But other hall students also, they have also tried their level best to save, to give some good solace to the Hindu student. Don't worry, we are with you. which comes but rarely in history when we step out from the old to the new when an age ends and when the soul of a nation long suppressed finds utterance the moment had indeed arrived but with this came an expression of pain violence and sadness the country was free but severed families displaced loved ones killed Homes pilfered across borders. Over 12.5 million people were displaced, all because of that tryst with destiny.
that brings us to the end of this particular episode of Asian Threads. Join me next week, same time, same place, right here on Radio 3. Asian Threads. Asian Threads is sponsored by the Wing Foundation.